Take your Bibles, if you will, turn to the book of Romans, chapter number 7. The book of Romans, chapter number 7. We have made our way to chapter number 7, and then first three chapters of the book of Romans, we find out that all men are sinners and under the um, worthy of the judgment of God. Chapter number 4 and chapter number 5, we find out that righteousness and salvation only comes through Jesus Christ and Him alone. Then in chapter number 6, we begin to find that uh, we are dead to sin, the law through Jesus Christ. And then chapter number 7, Paul begins to illustrate um, that truth that is found in chapter number 6. We're not going to deal with um, uh, most of um, the beginning of Romans chapter number 7, but I do want to just briefly give you an idea of what the verses in um, the beginning of chapter number 7 deal with. First of all, in verse number 7, you'll find that, the, that Paul talks about that the law um, in chapter, all chapter number 7 is, is dealing with the law and the relationship of the believer. In verse number 7, we find that the law reveals sin. Paul says, what shall we say then? Is, is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law said, Thou shalt not covet. And so we see that the law is what tells us what sin is and what uh, we should stay away from. Then verse number 8 says that, um, that the law revives sin. Verse number 8 says, But sin taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of conspicuance. For without the law, sin was dead. And that word occasion means opportunity. So what Paul is saying is, is that the law, uh, sin sees the law as an opportunity to create a desire for sin. Um, for example, what, the, what that would be is, is when you and I are driving down the road and we see the uh, speed limit 55, we think we can get by going 65, right? Um, until you see those, um, see um, a policeman or state trooper, then what's the first thing you do? Uh, you hit on brakes. And then you begin to praise and begin to say, please, Jesus, don't stop me. And um, same way same react way it is when you see a sign that uh, says that keep off the grass. What's the first thing you want to do? Uh, it, you want to step on it. Now, I don't know if y'all have this in Tennessee, but in Mississippi on the interstate, it used to be where... You know, if you missed an exit, you just go up a little way, and they had a little place in the median where you can turn and um, catch your exit. Well, now in Mississippi, they've all got those signs um, for um, emergency personnel only. And um, when you miss your exit, what do you want to do? You just want to act like you're emergency personnel and just cross over and go on, go on through, right? Um, and so that, that's what he's talking about. He said is that the idea is that we want to go above and beyond what we know we're supposed to do. Um, when, when something is clearly road, it is in the heart of man that, the, that man wants to break the, something that is clearly wrote in the law not to break. And so then in verse number 12 down through verse number 13, he deals with the, the law reflects sin. 
And verse number 12, wherefore the law is holy, and the, com- and the commandment is holy, and just and good, was then that which is good made death unto, uh, death unto me, God forbid, but sin, that it might appear a sin working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly exceeding sinful. And so we see that not only does in the verses, these verses, law reveals sin, the law revives sin, but the law also reflects sin. Law, the law shows us the truth about sin. And if you, if you were to take the Word of God and to uh, go through its entirety and every time when the, the Word of God deals with, deals with sin and deals, God gives us law of what we're not to do, you'll find that there's consequences. You and I are free to do anything we want to, but we are not free to choose the consequences that comes along with what we do. You and I are free to sin, but you and I are never free to choose the consequences that comes along with sin. One, one of the consequences that comes along with sin is death, for the wages of sin is death. But that is a futuristic uh, consequence. However, they are consequences dealing with sin that happen not necessarily in the future, but can happen in the present. Um, for instance, if, you, if you, you have the freedom to choose to get drunk, but if you get behind the wheel and you hit somebody, you are not free to choose the consequence that comes because of that. You're going to be put away for a very long time. And that is a consequence of your sin. Sin always has consequences. One, one man made the statement, he said, one thing about the devil is he'll always make the grass look greener on the other side. What you don't realize is that the reason the grass is green on the other side is because it's right, right above the septic tank. And that is reality. And so Paul, as he writes, as he is dealing with the law and he's dealing with sin, in the latter part of chapter number 7, Paul begins to describe a dilemma for the believer. Again, in chapter number 6, he has already, he has already dealt with that the believer is, is dead to sin through Jesus Christ. We have been freed from the bondage of sin. We no longer, uh, the sin is no longer our slave master. And so in chapter number 7, as he begins to deal with this, he begins to deal with two natures that is in each and every believer. Notice, if you will, verse number 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I, would, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate... That I do. Now that is a tongue twister if you try to read it fast. But I'm going to ask you a question. Is that not the heart of every true believer here this morning? That what you want to do, you don't. But what you don't want to do, oftentimes you find yourself doing it. And so I want you to think about who is writing this. This is the greatest preacher outside of the Lord Jesus Christ saying this. What I want to do, I don't do it. But what I don't want to do, I find myself doing it. 
Verse number 16, he says, If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that, is, that it is good. Now then it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would do, do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I, do that, I would not. It is, more, it is no more that I, I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law. That when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into the captivity of the law, to the law of sin which is in my members. Look at verse number 24. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with a mind, I, must, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. I want you to notice, number one, I want you to notice the difference here that Paul is dealing with in verse number 14. The first off that he makes a statement, he says, for we know that the law is spiritual. Now, one thing you've got to understand is this morning is that a lot of times when you talk, especially in our day, in our day and age, you, you start talking about talking to people about the law and uh, talking about uh, thing, different things of the Word of God. And they'll make this statement, we're not under law, but we're under grace. Now that, that is correct. But reality, what they're saying is, is don't, they're saying this a lot of times, don't tell me what I'm doing wrong because my wrong doesn't matter anymore because every wrong that I do, there's grace to cover that wrong. That's reality what they're saying. Those people who all the time throw up, we're, under, we're not under the law anymore, we're under grace. It's people who are living in sin, and yet when you, when you reveal to them they're living in sin, they begin, to they begin to have this idea that salvation totally, completely eradicates everything about the law of God. Now you have to understand this morning is that the, when, when a person is saved... Salvation does not radically, radically uh, eradicate the law because the law has never been a means of salvation. The law, the, the law is what brings a person to salvation. And now you, we can look, can you imagine what kind of society, just think about how bad things are right now. Imagine a society where there is no law. It'd be utter chaos, wouldn't it? Now, I want you to think about that. Why would God establish something where there is no laws? If you take our society and you were to say today we are going to eradicate every law and do and do what do this, every man do that which is right in his own eyes. That sounds good. But for some people, murder may be right, which is in his own eyes. To some people, stealing your vehicle may be that which is right in his own eyes. He might not see a problem with murder. He might not see a problem with that. He might not see a problem with this or that. So we can't, we can't say we're going to eradicate all laws because 
By the way, laws are not made for, for uh, uh, righteous people. They're made for unrighteous people anyway. Right. And so if you were to eradicate all the laws, it would be mass chaos in our society. In our society. In the same way with the Christian world, if you were to eradicate all the laws of God, it would be mass chaos in Christianity. It would be a free-for-all. You and I could do anything and everything we please. And so as Paul, as he's beginning this, he's writing this, he's, he's telling us that the law is spiritual. So it, and the reason, there again, the law is there to bring a person to, uh, to faith in Christ. It's to show them exactly how wicked and how vile we are. If you begin to, read, begin to read all the things that God says a person is not to do, and that's the reason why a lot of times you and I don't like to read the Word of God, is because it is a mirror. It shows us who we are. And so the law, it deals with the inner man. It deals with the spiritual part of man. And so verse number 14, he says that the law is spiritual. But he also says, he says, I'm carnal, a sold under sin. Now carnal means fleshly. And so Paul, what he's saying is, he said, I'm not, in the, I'm not in the flesh, but I am of the flesh. And so he is not, he is not um, uh, compromising what he said in chapter number 6, but rather he's reinforcing it. And so we see, we see that of the difference here. But then we see the dilemma. We see the struggle that, he, that Paul is dealing with in verse number 15 and 16. He says, that which I, I, I do... I, uh, that which I, I do, I allow not. That, that word allow means to recognize. It means to know. It means to perceive. Uh, so what Paul is saying, he says, I want to live right. I want to say the right things. I want to think the right things. Uh, but before, before I, he knows what happens, uh, reality of it is he has fallen and he has sinned and he's broken God's law. And this is reality. A lot of people, they want to do the right thing. People who know Christ, they want to live right. They, they want to say the right things. They want to have a life that honors God. But reality of this this morning is a lot of us are stuck in this dilemma. We want to serve God. We want to be a Christian. We want to be what the Bible says is the Word of God. But it seems like every time that you and I turn around, instead of doing what's right, we're doing what's wrong. Every time we want to say the right words, uh, before we can get the right words out, uh, the wrong words come out. Before we can have the right thought, uh, it's almost as if the wrong thought comes in. And so this is what Paul said. Now, let me say this. If you are not battling this, uh, friend, you're too crippled high for crutches. If you don't battle, this, the battle, battle the same thing that Paul's battling, I doubt very seriously you're doing anything for God. Reality of it is, 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 as long as you and I are in the flesh, there's going to be a battle between spiritual things and, and fleshly things. Paul would say this in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. And this is where most of us live. We're living in a place where we want to do right, but there's constantly something in us that every time we start to try to do right, wrong's there. Every time we want to read the Bible and do right, something presents itself and we fall. Every time we begin to, begin to walk according to the way we should, something happens and we fall. Matter of fact, reality of it is this morning, 
is that if you try to live a Christian life, you're going to fall. You're going to have a point in time to where it is, I hate to say it, you're going to sin. You know why you're going to sin? Because you're a sinner and sinners do what sinners do because they're sinners. None of us are exempt from it. It is not if you fall, it is just when you fall. And a lot of people have this mindset that, well, if I'm saved, that I'll never have the desire to sin. That is wrong. Because when God saved you, He saved your soul, not your flesh. Your flesh is tainted with sin. And your flesh desires sin as much as mine does. And so the dilemma is this, is that you and I want to live right. The reality of it is, is that we're still in this flesh, and it's a constant battle between spirit and flesh. And so we not only see the struggle in verse number 15 through 16, but then in verse number 23, we see the battle of sin. Notice what he says, he says, But I see another law of my members warring against the law of my mind. Bring me into the captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Just as I said, our flesh desires sin. But then there is a different part for the Christian. Is Yes, the flesh desires sin, but the spirit for the Christian desires a Savior. So we must fight against our flesh and it, because it wants to be captive to sin, but the Spirit of God wants to be captive to the, Spirit, to the, the Savior. And listen, I, I think this is where a lot of people, some people even give up hope. They forget that there's a battle. There's a lot of Christian people that have this mindset of, of why continue to battle every time Every time I take a step forward, it's two steps back. I can't tell you the people that I have talked to that have fallen out of church because every time they, they, make, they make strides in getting their life back in order and getting their life back on track, every time they take two steps forward, it seems as if something comes along and knocks them all the way back. But that so is life. That is the battle of the Christian life is that the, our flesh will do everything it can to keep us in bondage to sin. And the devil then comes along and does everything it can to keep us in bondage to sin. The devil does not want us to live a victorious, godly life. The devil does not want you to be a, be a Christian. The devil does not want you to be, to be uh, somebody who honors God with their life. And so he's going to put things in your way that's going to tempt your flesh and make your flesh desire this. But you and I have to come to the place where we realize that it's going to be a struggle, but it's a, it is a struggle that can be won through Jesus Christ. Yes, our flesh desires sin, but there's someone that is on the inside of us uh, that it has more power than our flesh, uh, and it is the Spirit of God. Notice there again what Paul says. He says this. He says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? 
Can't you, can't you see the agony that Paul is in? He said, man, I want to live for God, but my flesh is pulling me this way. I want to be a Christian, but my flesh is pulling me this way. I want to live right, but my flesh is pulling me this way. Who's going to deliver me? It is, it is, it, it is an inner, inner being that is at war with each other. And listen, friend, don't be discouraged when that war is raging in your life. That is the flesh and the Spirit of God war with each other don't let the flesh win one one time there was a uh, there was a, a person talking uh, talking to an Indian chief and this Indian made the statement he said there's two uh, two wolves inside of me there's the wolf of good and the wolf of evil and, the, and they asked the question he said they said which one wins he said whichever one I feed the most and reality of it is, is so many of us, we are warring at each other. And not only is it an, an, an internal war, but and to, to add uh, coal to the fire, there's an outside war. Listen, we are in the war of our life right now. We are in a, we're in a spiritual war on the inside. And honey, we're in a spiritual war on the outside. And we've got to understand that that is just the way it is. And so many people are laying down the sword and laying down the Word of God because they think that something is wrong with them because they have two different desires. But nothing's wrong with you. That's just life. The question is, what desire are you going to give yourself to? Are you going to give it to the desire of the flesh? Or to the desire of the Spirit of God that lives inside of you? So many people are quitting and they're, and they're falling by the wayside because they think that's to no avail. But listen, the, listen, the, it's everybody experiences that. Everybody wars that warfare. But yet we have to remember that greater is He that is within you than he that is in the world. There is the dilemma. And man, it's a great dilemma. I can't tell you the times that, that it, 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 in my own personal life that I have just, I thought, man, it would just be so much easier if, you didn't have, if we didn't have to battle all this. It'd be so much, it would, the Christian life would be so much easier if you didn't have to battle your flesh every day. Man, that's probably going to be what makes heaven so great. No, listen, I, a lot of people get excited about what's going to be in heaven. Friend, I can get excited about what ain't going to be in heaven. No flesh, no devil. No sin. And I'm just trying to tell us, remind us this morning that we are in a dilemma. And it's hard sometimes. And I, I'll be honest with you, for, for years I used to look at people and, and wonder why in the world, why can't they get victory over, over this? Or why, why are they letting that ruin their life? But reality of it is, is we're flesh. We're weak. And some people... I fed the flesh for so long to where they can't get victory over. Listen, if, if you're battling this morning, know this, you're in good company. The Apostle Paul was battling. 
The Apostle Paul was not some super spiritual giant. He was a man just like I am. He's a man just like everybody else is. And yes, God used him greatly, but he did not have some kind of superpower that most people think he did. What made the Apostle Paul great was not Paul himself, but it was who lived inside of Paul. And that same person that lived inside of him is the same person who lives inside of us if you're born again this morning. So this war is real. This dilemma is real. But then we see the declaration that Paul makes. He asks the question, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body, this body of death? He says then in verse number 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So as almost as Paul, as he asks the question in verse number 24, answers himself in verse number 25. Then notice that he goes on to say, he says, so then with, with a mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Paul summarizes the battle of the child of God. In the last part of this verse, as he comes to close in chapter number 8, as he closes it, he just makes up his mind. He says, there's going to be a battle. And I'm just going to keep fighting it. I'm going to ask you a question this morning, and I'm done. It's only our musicians come. I wonder this morning if, if you're at the verge of, you know you're saved, you know that you're born again. But you're just tired of fighting that, that battle. I want to ask you, are you to the point of giving up? There's been a lot that has. And sad reality of it is this morning is there's going to be a lot more that, that does. But you and I have got to make up the mind, our mind like the Apostle Paul. So we know it's going to be a battle. We're just going to keep fighting it. Why? Because Jesus Christ has already won the war. We're just in the battle right now. Friend, I'm telling you, the devil would have you, if you had listened to him, the devil would have you to put your armor down, to put the Bible aside, and just say, live by the way of the flesh and be a lot easier. And it may be easier, but it would not profit you at all to do that. And maybe this morning that you're one of the ones that you have laid aside. You found yourself living more for the flesh than you have for God. Friend, why, why don't you stop this morning and ask the Lord to forgive you of those days and begin to live for Him, for Christ today. And it'll be a battle today, it'll be a battle tomorrow, and it'll be a battle to the day you die. 
But won't it be good to be able to stand up before Jesus Christ on Judgment Day and Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm telling you, the flesh is brutal. The enemy is brutal. And the greatest man outside the Lord Jesus we have record of said, I battle it. I fight it. It's there with me. You know what that gives me hope? That encourages me knowing that if somebody as great as the Apostle Paul can say, I battle it, well, that helps me because I ain't nowhere near as him. And if he battled it, I know for sure Charlie's going to battle it. But let's just make up our mind this morning, no matter the battle, we're just going to fight it. No matter the struggle, no matter the dilemma, we're going to fight it. Because eventually victory is coming through the Lord Jesus Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. I don't know your heart. I don't know what may be going on in your life. But I want us just to examine just for a moment.